Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, and we'll be continuing in chapter 2 tonight. I combined the studies tonight because sometimes that's just the way it goes and the way the Lord leads. But um, the title of the message tonight, The Power of the Word. The Power of the Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to go all the way through chapter 2, verse 3. And guys, if there's one thing that happens tonight, I'm going to be happy. Is that you walk away here desiring to be men of the word and desiring to be in the Bible what? Every man, every day. That's it. That's the gist of the message. That's what it's all about. I want to encourage you guys. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living. It is powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and as it is cerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the Word of God is living, you guys. It's not dead. It's not useless. It is alive. It is life-giving. And the Word of God is powerful. It is the power, and it has the power to change your life. And that's basically what Peter's talking about here. But the Wonderful thing about God's Word, not only did it change your life when you came to Christ, when you received Him as Lord and Savior, you became born again, but the Word of God changes your life every single time you are in it, guys. If your heart is open and if you're serious and you're sincere about receiving what God has every time, every day, it will change your life each day. It has the power to do that. It can change you to resurrect you from death to life, to make you into a new man. And what we talked about last week, new conduct, with new conduct. And here Peter, he's really kind of continues speaking in the area of conduct, making it clear that because they had come to know the living hope, were born again, that they were changed men. And evidence of this change was their conduct. They now were to conduct themselves in a different way. No longer men of the flesh, but men of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that was in their lives, Peter states in our passage here tonight, was love. A sincere love. A fervent love for the brethren. And that's one of the amazing things, that when we come to the Lord, when we come, we, these, we are new men who love. And the crazy thing is, you know, and I use Kurt Garland. Shout out to Kurt Good to see you in Oregon, brother. He told me the story, and I'll, I'm probably going to mess it up, but um, you guys remember Kurt, the big guy, you know, I knew from high school and such, played football with his brother, went to high school with his brother the same year and everything. But Kurt told me this story. This is, this is the BC. This is how God can change you. That when he saw his wife, he was at the beach, and she was there with her boyfriend. And here's Kurt. He walks up, and he's like, you know, caveman stuff. Hmm, me see girl, me want girl. He says, he looks at her, you're going to be my girl. And he told the boy, the guy, get out of here. She's mine, get out of here. And the, the kid got up and left, but he was smart because he knew she wasn't worth dying for. But to see that, and, and of course, looking at the, the scripture there in um, chapter 2, verse 1, about the, the malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all this stuff, all this junk, man, that's the stuff that was in our lives before. That's what Kurt was all about. But then to see Kurt come to, to the Lord and to see this big, burly guy worshiping Jesus with tears in his eyes. 
able to walk up to a brother, a man in Christ, and say, hey, I love you. I love you. That's the change as we're talking about, you guys. That's the change that God's word can do, which is why we emphasize so much. What does my shirt say? What should we be? And we're never going to stop. We're never going to stop harping, guys. The men of word, that we read the word, we know the word, we study the word, we meditate on the word, we obey the word, we live the word. And we're not men who are only hearers, but we're men who are doers. Doers, you guys. And, and like I said, my goal tonight is to get every single one of us convicted in a good way, those who aren't doing it to be in the Word of God every single day without excuse, no exception at all. And that's the standard. And then, of course, house is burning down. You might want to give up your devotions for that morning and, and get out of there. But so, so why the Word? Why the Word every day? Number one, has the power to change a life. Verse 22 through 23a, since... You have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, here it is, not of corruptible seed, the things of this earth, the things of man, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's been said you can change a mind by education, but the only way to change a man by his heart is through the Spirit of God. The only thing that would really change a man. You change his heart and you will change his life. That's the true change that comes. And if you change a man's heart, then a man can be a completely different person. And of course, that's what happens when we come to the Lord. That's what happens when he takes and we're born again. He takes the old heart and gives us a new heart. You may remember the passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 36, where he says in verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And here it is. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So the spirit of God comes and he changes. Our, he puts a new heart in us. Kurt Garland received a new heart. You guys received a new heart, a heart that is full of love for God and full of love for others. And that's the only thing, guys, that's going to change you. I can remember back in the days, the BC days trying to change, man. I tried to change my life. I tried to get my act together. And I'm talking in the area, of course, drugs and alcohol. I went on the wagon, I don't know how many times, saying, this is it, man. I, I'm, I'm got it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work this out. I'm going to get my life under control, only to fall and fail again and again and again. Never, never able to make the change that was needed. Never able to turn away from the sin that controlled my life, you guys. And then, of course, that scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead and trespasses to sins, has made us alive together with him in Christ. Amen. When I received Christ, this living hope, it all changed. And it all changed for you guys. And so Peter, he says here, Peter says, you received it since you purified your souls. Now, of course, we didn't purify anything. It was God by his spirit. 
It was God who did this. Peter said you received it, but Peter says you believed it. When I believed the gospel, that Christ died for my sins on the cross, guys, shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins, I believed it and he forgave me. I believed and he purified me. He cleansed me by his spirit. Peter says, number three, that you obeyed it. Now this, here it is. See, this belief or faith translates to obedience to his word. I am to believe the gospel in obedience to God himself. Therefore, in my obedience, in my belief or faith, God purifies me. God cleansed me. And of course, now the result of the word, Peter says, was number one, the result was a new conduct. Remember we talked about this last week, right? This, this conducting ourselves in what? Maturity. That's, of course, had to do with how we were walking, go heading towards maturing, growing in reverence, walking in fear and respect and honor of God, but also walking in love, love from God, conducting ourselves in love. So this new conduct was really the actual result of a, of a completely changed life. Now, Peter says that we are to conduct ourselves in love in this passage. Now, this is not the love from God. This is the love from ourselves to our brothers, towards others, which is the fruit of the Spirit, you guys. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. And then, of course, out of that love comes the joy, comes the peace, comes the patience, comes the kindness, comes the gentleness, comes the faithfulness, comes the self-control. The fruit of the Spirit comes out of that. And it is also proof of this new life of being born again. If you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, here it is, guys. Here's evidence. Here's evidence. I was counseling with a guy yesterday, this again, wanted to know for sure that he was saved. How do you know you're saved? How do we know we are saved? Well, here it is. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is what? Is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only son, his only begotten son to the world, that we might live through him. In verse 10, here it is. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the means by which we are saved for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And going back to the first verse there, hey, those who love, that's how I, if I am loving now in the best way that I can, if there's been a change in my heart, if I'm not walking around hating people all the time and wanting to punch people out or steal girlfriends or whatever, then I know that God has changed my life. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm his. So we see Peter telling us to conduct ourselves in love. And as a result, you're just changed into this new person. You went from death to life, darkness to light, from the fleshly to the spiritual. And on top of that, he says for us to lay aside all the filth that's in chapter 2, verse 1. So this new conduct results was a new love, as Peter says. And it was a sincere love. It was a fervent love. Sincere, of course, we know that word. It's not fake. It's not false. It's not hypocritical. But also, he says, you've already been loving this way, but you know what? Now you've got to abound in this love, as, as Paul has said. We've got to go deeper. We've got to go further, guys. We've got to go to a fervent love. What is fervent? Deep, all out, to the fullest extent. And guys, if there's any time 
for that type of love to be coming from our lives, it is this time in our lives right now, for such a time as this. As we look around this world, what does this world need? Of course, remember back in the 60s, I think it was like 66, 67, when that song came out, what the world needs now is love. And man, if it's not now that the world needs love, oh my gosh. I mean, we all understand that next Wednesday, we might not be here because we might have to shut the, da- the church down because there might be such civil unrest going because there's a new president in town or whatever. It could be out of control. Man, we need to be the brothers that aren't caught up in that, but we're the brothers that are just loving people and telling people, man, chill, take it easy. No, we need to love. We need to love one another. And this is the kind of love that, of course, needs to come from our lives. My goodness, you guys. Peter said it himself in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I love it. He says here, we'll get to that passage in a, in a couple of weeks, but the end of all things is at hand. Hello. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins, you guys. Peter, he's taking that from Proverbs 10, verse 12, that says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers sins. And in these last days, these end times that we're in, man, we're going to need to have that love to cover the sins of others that are offending us. And love covers sins. You know what it says? You know what? Hey, because my love is greater than the sin that you've committed against me, hey, you know what? You're forgiven. We let it go. We let it go. Understanding we're all human. Understanding that even in these end times, as we all are experiencing even now, the spiritual warfare that is there. Anybody realize the spiritual warfare is just like max level, DEFCON 5 or whatever. It's just, I mean, it's, it's exploding out there. The devil's going crazy. He's stirring up the pot. I mean, even the Dodgers can't win without them burning down L.A. Come on now. It's crazy. But we need to understand that, man, it's only love that's going to cover that, guys. So this result, of course, comes as a new love. But number three, the result was a new life. The new life that comes from conduct and love and life here. And all this, guys, was because you were born again. And, of course, in this we see again the vital importance of being born again. And, and to some out there, we're, we're the reborns. We're those reborn guys, a little bit kind of crazy guys. But you got to be born again. What did Jesus say? Unless you are born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And when you are born again, you're born again into a new person, a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. It's a new life that we're born into. We're born again spiritually, all because of the word. And he says here, not of corruptible seed. Of course, now that seed he's referring to is the seed of which is from man. And, of course, we all came from the seed of man. And, but that seed will die. That seed will fade. That seed is fading. That seed is dying, as we already know. But we are born again of incorruptible seed. And the incorruptible seed is that which is from God, which will never die, but lives and abides forever. So, number one, we see the power of the word to change a life. So the question, of course, is has your life changed? Is there evidence and not just because you say so, but because those around you say so. I mean, you can fool us, but you can't fool your wife. Now, she'd come up here and testify right now, hey, so-and-so, 
Has your husband changed? Are you kidding me? You should see it when he gets home. He throws the Bible on the ground, says that message was horrible. I'm never going back to that dumb church anyhow. Is there evidence? If there isn't much evidence, then maybe there's not much word. Okay, as we continue going forward, number two, though, the power of the word has the power to endure forever, you guys. Verse 23 again. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Now, Peter's referring to and quoting from Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8, which just happens to be the scripture for the men's study, the name of the men's ministry, the men of the word. And Peter says of the word that it lives, it abides, it endures. It lives, meaning it's not dead, but it's life-giving as we understand. It abides means it is here to stay. It continues to remain forever, and it endures. It will stand forever. Jesus, just as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And you know what? The word of God has been under attack from the devil, by the devil, from the beginning, even in the garden when they didn't have anything. And yet, what did he say to Eve? Has the Lord truly said? And we see the attack that's been on God's word. You know, the, the amazing thing, though, that what you hold in your hand has been, is, and will be the best-selling book in the history of the world for all time. It just continues to be billions of copies sold every year. Man, that's awesome. And reading even this morning in my devotions, if you're in the same track as me, Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven forever, you guys. It lives, it abides, it endures. The power of the word to endure. Now, the natural man will not endure forever, as we all understand. Peter, of course, compares man with grass. And, of course, flesh is as grass. The grass withers. Man withers, fades, and is no more. And then the glory of man is as a flower. Now, this is, this is man in his best moments, all right? We're like a flower, the best of our lives, whatever. The flower blooms, though. We look good. I think most of us here are, are past that stage where the flower isn't blooming. It's, it's, it's you know, I got this plumeria um, tree right on my porch there, and it's got nice, the nice pink flowers on it. But, you know, they only last like about a month. I mean, those things, they look good, and then they start fading. Now they're falling all over the place. That's us. See, we start out vibrant and fragrant. Then as we age, we wilt, we fade. And number two, the glory of man will not endure forever. The natural man will not endure. The glory will not be. One thing that I've realized, sad to say, though, with the loss of mom and dad and stepdad, stepmom, mother-in-law, brother-in-law, aunts, uncles, multiple cousins. I mean, all the lost loved ones I've lost. The sad thing is, the phone just keeps on ringing. That's a sad thing. 
is that, is that eventually the memories of these people fade. And it's sad. I mean, when they die, when they pass away, it's just horrible and it's, it's, it's terrible and it's normal. But you know what? I mean, think about it. You guys all remember a guy named Chuck Smith? Do you remember when he died? A couple years ago, maybe a few years ago. Seven years ago, October 3rd. And the sad thing about it is, all, I mean, when Chuck was alive, he was the man. Chuck Smith was, I mean, he, he had it going. One of the most sought-after sought speakers. I mean, we love the guy. And yet you look at his life's work, Costa Mesa, things just ain't the same there. The youth camp has been sold. Murrieta Conference Center has been sold. All this stuff. The glory of man fades, you guys. It will not endure forever. It's sad. And man, though, does not have the power to endure. We don't have it, you guys. He's, he's given a certain amount of time to live, and nothing can overpower this. Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says, No one has the power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, and no one has the power in the day of death. And the funny thing is, every man in his glory thinks that, you know what, I'm untouchable. I mean, think of the men who are, who are in that place where you're thinking, you know, bless Biden's heart, but you know what? He, he's fading. He's, he's not in his glory. What's the guy doing wanting to be president of the United States at, what, 78 years old? Is it 78, 79? I mean, he's almost 80. Come on, he's fading. We need some young bucks in there. Some guys in their 40s, maybe 50s. Hell yeah. Fading. We're fading. All the glory of man will fade. And yet we don't think that. We think we'll live on forever. No. The only thing that will live on forever, of course, is the word. And number three, the word of God will endure forever. Why? Because it came from the all-powerful God himself who created all things by his power. Spoke it into existence, you guys. You look up there and you've got Jupiter right over there and you've got Saturn right next to it and you've got Mars right over here that I can almost see here from the pulpit. I mean, it's just amazing what we see out there in the universe. And all this stuff that God created, he spoke it to, into existence, you guys. The power of the word will endure forever because of who the word came from, you guys. His word will endure forever. Again, Jesus saying, heaven, all that's going to pass away. All that's going to burn up. All that's going to be gone. We're going to get a new heaven, a new earth. Everything's gone except for this that we hold within our hands, meaning the word that God spoke to put it together. And this word, of course, is the gospel that was preached to you. And guys, there's no other way for salvation to come except through the gospel, through the word of God. It's a spiritual truth that when we believe became the incorruptible seed, producing new life, which endures forever as well, you guys. As Christian men, guess what? We will endure forever. We will live forever. We will not die spiritually. These bodies will die. These flowers are, are the glory's gone. I mean, most of us already know. I mean, there's, <laughs> we got anybody out there under 40, man, you guys? Couple of you, yeah, you guys are doing good. Just wait, though. Just wait, it's going to catch you. So number two, the power of the word will endure forever, but also now number three, the power 
of the word is the power to feed the spirit, you guys. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now, of course, that was the things of the flesh. That was the things of the old man. That was the things of the old heart. As newborn babes or reborn babes, newborn, reborn, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Man. Therefore, since you've been born again, not a corruptible things, but incorruptible seed, number one, we lay aside the sin, brothers. We lay aside the sin. And as Christian men, laying aside that sin should become easier and easier in time as we conduct ourselves toward maturity, okay? Not that we don't stumble, not that we don't get tripped up every now and then, but we shouldn't be doing these things more often than not. We should be doing these things not than more often, you brothers. So we lay aside, and this, this, this list, it's a, it's a wicked heart there. Speaks to the heart of men apart from God whose conduct has not been changed. And understanding that these sins will surely separate you from God, so if they start creeping back in, the wonderful thing about our God is when, when sin starts coming, he kind of starts backing off. He's kind of like, okay, hey, all right, I'm going to kind of pull the bait. And then if the Holy Spirit is truly there, you're going to start going, wait a minute, something's not right here. I'm feeling different. I don't feel the same. I, man, I was like, God, you still there? You still there? I'm right here. What's the problem? Your sins, separating, confess those sins, repent, turn. And the minute that does that, boom. Hey, brother, how you doing? And I'm just talking about Jesus. He's right here with us. So we lay these things aside. And when I lay these sins aside again, it is evidence of being born again of incorruptible seed. So we lay it aside as sin. Number two, desire the pure milk of the word. I love Peter in describing this. Pure means uncontaminated, clean. And of course, milk has the idea of being nourishing like a mother's milk to a baby, and which is the absolute best food for a baby. And when I was thinking about this past scripture, I, you know, isn't it kind of sad as you get old, you, just, you don't drink milk like you used to? What is, why, why don't I? I'm going to get back to it. But I can remember years ago, there was a sandwich shop, Carson in Maine. And this was for me and Cheryl were even married. We'd go there, and we would have this regular deli sandwich, and they would have milk that was it was just so ice cold, tasted so good. I would drink a milk with a deli sandwich. Now, that's something you think you'd drink a Coke with, right? But no, we would take and drink that milk. And we still talk about this. We still talk about sandwich was good. The milk was amazing. The milk was so refreshing. The milk was so nourishing. And I was thinking about this thing. You know, I'm going to get back to drinking a glass of milk a day. Maybe I'll start growing. Yeah. Hey, maybe my hair will come back or something. Come on, baby. We don't want to do it. Two glasses. There you go. <laughs> I might need a gallon. Huh? But the desire for the pure milk of the word, Peter says to desire this means strongly long for, to crave. It expresses an intense, reoccurring, insatiable desire as in one who has experienced extreme hunger. 
or extreme thirst, like you're dying of thirst. Now, I don't think anybody of us here has ever experienced hunger to the point where you think you're going to die. Even though I know, you, you know, you just had dinner about a couple hours ago. You're probably already starving for in and out. I mean, that's, that's how bad we are. And I don't think anybody here has ever been to the point where you are dying of thirst, for thirst. I mean, you're just... But that's the idea here. Picture it. Imagine it. Somebody, you see them in a movie. You're just, they're just, there's no water anywhere. They'll drink anything. That's what we're talking about here. This desire, dying for it. Job said in chapter 23, verse 12, and he had it right, you guys. He said, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So, of course, you know i got to ask the question. Does this describe your desire for the word? Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you for as long as my, I live and I'll lift up my hands in your name. That's what we're talking about here, guys. Do you desire the word of God or do you have a greater desire for the things of this earth? The corruptible things that will pass away. Now, I'm sure most of you, a lot of you watched the Dodger game last night. But you were probably like dying to watch that Dodger game. Do you have the same intense desire to get in God's word as you do or did to turn that game on? I'm not bagging on those who watch the game. I'm just talking about desire. I mean, some of you, you know what, you'd, you'd, you'd have done anything to watch that game. You probably would have done anything to go to the game. Isn't that sad they can watch and play it and have people there in Texas, but can't do it in California? Don't get me going here. All right. Does that describe or does sports, do you have a greater desire for sports or a greater desire for money or greater desire for sex or for food? Thinking about in and out right now, maybe. Somebody raised their fist back there. Does this describe your desire? Thirsting, hungering. But he says here, the reason though, that you may grow. That you may grow. Spiritual growth comes by two things besides the working of the Holy Spirit. A desire and the word. I must want it, I must want it, I must want it. Because it's not natural. It doesn't just happen, you guys. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just take God's word, the Bible go like this, go, I got it all, it's all in there now. Although Elon Musk has his way pretty soon, that could be, <laughs> slide the little chip in or whatever, you know. Crazy. A desire and then the word, that's how we grow. I must read it. See, growth can only come humanly if I feed myself food. And growth can only come spiritually if I feed on God's word, if I have a constant intake of God's word. And we, and we talk about this a lot, you know. I mean, we eat three times a day, most of us. We're not going to miss a meal. Not even. It's crazy to think about it. Why would I do that? 
But then when I talk to people about their devotions and being in the Word of God, how else would you... Uh, well, I, I guess I read it when I come to church. Well, if we were to take your spirit out and kind of let's set him on it, you'd be like a, you'd be like a stick guy. He'd look like he was just completely emaciated, emaciated, whatever that word is. I mean, he'd be dead. Got to feed him. You got to grow. This word will make you grow. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 10 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. This is the gospel, of course. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That is the word of God, you guys. So we grow, but also for, he says, if indeed you have tasted. Now that's interesting you said, if indeed you have tasted. What is he talking about? If indeed you have tasted, of course, in this idea, we're talking about newborn babe. We're talking about milk, pure milk, drinking the milk of the word. I mean, all this stuff. If you've tasted that ice cold milk, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm craving ice cold milk now. It's just like, I'm going to go home and make sure most of the time the milk in my refrigerator goes bad because I don't drink it. No. Chug that thing down. If you have tasted. See, once you taste of the goodness of God's word, you guys, you will not be satisfied with anything else. And what I mean by this tasting of the word of God, I mean in that time of devotions. And I know I'm preaching to the choir for most of you guys are in the word. But man, when you get up in the morning, you have your devotions, you're reading God's word, and God speaks to you. How do you know he speaks to you? Because you read something in the word, and it's like, how did he know that? How do you know I was struggling with that? How do you know that's what I needed? How did he, oh, and when you do that, and you journal, you write that down, it's just like, that's it. Because there's many imposters in this world, you guys, imitations, things in this life that will always come up empty. But Jeremiah, he had it, 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, guys. That's what it's all about. When we talk to people having devotions, we just convince them to stick with it, be with it, and pray, Lord, as, as little Samuel was told by Eli, when the Lord speaks to say, here, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm listening, Lord. I need to hear your voice in the morning. Oh, Lord, in the morning. Well, I lift up my mouth. Lord, speak. And when he does, man, the light goes on. And you're hooked in a sense. That's it. It's done. Devotions are it. Why? Because I need to hear God's voice. I need to have him speaking. I need to have him correcting me, challenging me, fixing me up. Man, so we see the power of the word to feed the soul. So now we have some application that we're going to talk about. Number one, Paul said that the word was all we needed. Where did he say that, guys? Oh, that's bad. 2 Timothy 3.16, come on. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, so it's inspired by God. It means it's breathed by him. 
And because it's breathed by God, guys, it's inerrant, it is infallible. It's free from error and it is not capable of being wrong. It is the absolute truth. There's only one thing in this world that is truth. And you're holding it in your hands. It's inspired by God, but also it's profitable for what? Beneficial, productive, sufficient for doctrine or teaching. Proper instruction. It will teach me the truth. It is profitable for rebuke or reproof. It's going to show me my sin, you guys. Anybody need to be shown their sin? Sometimes we're blind to it. Sometimes we don't even see it. We don't even know it's there. You read the God, God's word. Oh, man, correction. It's going to put me back on the path and keep me on the track. My word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, you guys. So it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, but also for instruction in righteousness. It's going to show me how to walk and look like Jesus and what is required of me. But also it's going to enable me to be that man of God. It's going to make me complete, mature, able to discern, to keep me from being deceived by the enemy. It's going to equip me. I'm going to have all the tools that I need to live this Christian life, and it's going to make me ready for a good work, to be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful, prepared for every good work, and nothing else is needed in my life. We don't need to read any other thing except for the Word of God with the power of God's Holy Spirit speaking through it to me. Not that we can't, but when I, when I put this aside to pick up other stuff, it's okay, other stuff, but if that other stuff is more important than this, I got it backwards, I got it upside down, I got it wrong. There's nothing greater than the Word of God in this world. J.I. Packer, and this is so true, he said, if I were the devil, the first thing I would do is stop people from digging into this book. Hello. He's doing a great job. Bunyan said, sin will keep you from this book, or the book will keep you from sin. And Havner loved this guy. The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't falling apart. Number two, what does the power to endure mean to us? What does the power of God's word to endure mean? When we think about it, it means that his word will endure forever. That means every promise in his word, everything that is written to me and you will endure forever as well. It cannot be changed. It's written for all eternity and everything else in existence is going to pass away. But his word will remain forever. And these verses to us are eternal, you guys. And of course, looking at what we talked about last week, his love. It's eternal. That's what it means. And of course, the word of God, today, number three, still means the same as it was when it was written back thousands of years ago. What was sin then is still sin today. And what's happening with God's word is it's being watered down by the church. It's being set aside. Other stuff is coming in to replace it. And God's word, as I said earlier, is under attack. It's under attack. See, all the generations that have passed and all the generations to come, including today's, will pass. And each generation tries to reinterpret Scripture. Today we see it more than ever, you guys, where the church is opening the door to blatant sin. 
I mean, the, the saying now, hey, love is love. Love is love. And we know what that means. And yet, yes, love is love from God, but not love is love in the context where the LGBTQ says it's love. Sin is sin. No matter what culture says, you guys, no matter what society says, no matter what man says, it still must be believed, it still must be read, it still must be obeyed, because it is still the word of God written by him. And man, is it under attack. Because it's coming, it's coming, guys, that there's going to come a time when I speak even to that. I even, I, what I just put on the, out on the internet, I'll be in trouble, man. Oh, no, hate speech. Oh, I'm not talking hate. Jesus loves these people. He loves the sinner. He hates the sin. And the sin will put you in hell. There's no other way around it. it ain't, that's what this says. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. God wrote it. We read it. He said it. We believe it. That settles it. Amen? Serious. And the word of God still means the same today, no matter the temptation that comes to disobey the word of God, you guys. Have you been tempted to disobey the word of God? And here's the problem with this, this whole idea of being tempted is that in our growing weary, in our spiritual warfare that we endure, that we're encountering, the devil's pounding. It's like, man, and, it, and even for us here. You know, for Pastor Jeff, for us to be out here in his tent and not inside that building, it's tough, guys. It's tough, especially when we see all these other churches getting away with it. And yet, it's interesting. The temptation is there. Oh, you know what? Let's just give in. Let's just, let's just follow suit. But why are we out here in the first place? Because God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, we get to that passage, that we are to obey those in authority over us. Governors. Okay, I mean, oh, I, I'm sorry, I was just shaking my hand. <laughs> We're to obey them. And yet the temptation is, that's it, I've had enough. We've been doing this for too long. It's going on, it's gone on for too long. But listen to the devil in that. You know what? Here's an example. You know, I, I, I have fought this whole thing on adultery for long enough. I know God's word says I'm not committing adultery, but you know what? That's it. I've had enough. I've gone on for too long. I'm tempted to give in. I'm going to give in. That's the same thing, guys. Where does it stop when we begin to compromise against God's word? Man, be careful, brothers. Be careful. Because that temptation is there. Or maybe it has to do with, you know what, you, you, you're not liking somebody at work, and it's like, I know God's word says don't murder, but you know what, that's it. I've had enough. I'm, that's it. It's going to happen. Extreme examples, but guys, you see the point. So the word of God still means the same. And number four, what do you desire more than the word of God? With that, what gets in the way of you being a man of the word? Think about that. What, what gets in the way? And maybe it's like, hey, I'm preaching to the choir. Maybe it's somebody online listening. Do you think that you know better than the word? You don't need the word? You're smarter than the word? What is it? What keeps me from that? And of course, we know ultimately it's the devil. 
But let me ask this question. Where would Christianity be today if all believers, A-L-L believers, desired and craved and wanted the Word of God more than necessary food? There'd be a whole lot of skinny believers out there. That's for sure. A whole lot more. What, what would your life be like? if you desired the Word of God more than your necessary food? Man, think about it, brothers. Think about it. So with that, I have some homework for you. If you dare. This is a challenge. This is a challenge, guys. I thought about this, prayed about it. You know, this would be good. Now, most of you, I'm sure, understand and know about Psalm 119, right? 176 verses, all but three speak of the Word of God. So here's my challenge for you. I want you to read that entire psalm. It'll take you all of 10 minutes, maybe, every single day for a week till we come back next Wednesday, okay? And see if that doesn't change your perspective on the Word and see if it doesn't change your life because Psalm 119, you guys, is chock full of stuff talking about the enduring word, the importance of the word, the power of the word, the amazing word of God. Even today, 119.50, this is my comfort and my affliction. Your word has given me life. The word of God has given you life. 119.93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Have you been given life by God, you guys? It's because of his word. And his word will give you life. And you'll see the power of the word in a brand new way, you guys. I challenge you to do it. It's an amazing psalm, amazing chapter. But going back again, guys, to the word of God, the power of the word. We are so blessed to have in our hands everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. But all we got to do is get into it, guys. Read it. Study it memorize it, meditate on it. Psalm 119.97, David said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 1, David writes, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scorner, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be what? Like a tree planted firmly by the rivers of water, who bears fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper, prosper, brothers. Right here. Amen? Amen. Power of the word. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these guys. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amazing your word. Thank you so much, Lord, for making it so readily available to us. And God, thinking back even in the time when this was written, they didn't have what we have. And yet their faith, their belief, their, their zeal, their fervency was there, Lord. I pray that that would be with us even now. And I pray you would encourage every man today, Lord, those who are in the word, to not be moved, to not be, to give in to any temptation, to change no matter what. And for those who have struggled in this area, I pray that tonight is the night that it all changes. And that, Lord, First thing tomorrow or even tonight when, before they go to bed, your word is open and it's being read, it's being
prayed over, it's being meditated on, it's being memorized, it's being chewed, and, 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 and we're being fed like that nice, tall, ice-cold glass of milk, Lord. So, bless, I pray. Bless these guys in their groups. Again, thank you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.